If you ever wanted proof that Jesus didn't visit this part of the United States, two out of our three readings today would probably do it for you. A reading about the gift of rain and snow and precipitation and the presumption that seed doesn't grow where it isn't supposed to thrive. Well, I know two things. I'm pretty sick of the gray and drizzly cool weather that we've been having in this July. And I can also tell you that all of the grass that I've tried to overseed in the bare patches is only growing in the gravel and the bark dust surrounding it and not in the good soil I put in said grass. So while it might be uh, just a little important to understand that both Isaiah and Jesus were speaking in an arid culture and climate, these promises and parables certainly reach into our lives probably a lot farther than their surroundings or my backyard or yours as well. It may also be helpful to set the context here that Jesus is speaking about things that are happening in his real life ministry. Many are receiving the word and being captivated by it and following Jesus as disciples, but some are just pushing it away, rejecting it outright. And still others kind of stick with him while they have a belly full of bread, but fall away when he starts talking about uncomfortable things like the cross. Some are excited by the miracles, kind of consuming the show, but just not really ready to be all in. Jesus is naming the realities around him to a certain extent, I think, in this parable. And, and that, that's an important context for sure, but I, but I wonder, has that context really changed that much? I mean, besides the gray days and the fact that everything grows everywhere around here, do we still find ourselves in a place where the soil varies from receptive to rocky to crowded to just plain impenetrable? What do you see in Jesus' word? And not just our parable for today, but in, in the whole message of Jesus. Because if you just kind of see a personal comfort to you, then, then when his word is not comfortable, you may find yourself burning up in the heat of it. If you see Jesus as simply a, a therapist or sort of a, an ATM of answered prayer, when it seems like heaven has gone silent in your life, you may find yourself clinging to the weeds of rigid ideologies or, or quick fixes or just downright distractions or security blankets, even though they don't fulfill as promised. If you see your pain and, or experience or sin as too great or unique or even too powerful for the forgiving love of Jesus to kind of break through, if you find yourself too hard-hearted to be open to something new God might be doing or saying, then you may find the evil one ready to take that word of grace from you and keep all those lies and fears and shame just kind of building up your walls of protection. But if the words of, and actions of Jesus here in this gospel today and throughout the gospel are seen and, and heard as the dawning of God's reign, a picture of what might be or what could be even, then this word becomes a treasure that has depth and meaning beyond our simple comfort, value beyond treasures of wealth or quick fixes, and grace that chases away the devil like a harassed crow and it kind of melts down those walls of our hard-hearted and cynical and shameful and sinful existences. C.S. Lewis argues that if Jesus is who he says he is, then he is insane. And as, if he isn't who he says he is, then he's insane and his message means nothing. But if he is who he says he is, then what he is saying and what he is doing 
is the most important thing ever in the history of everything. And that really is the thing, isn't it? That is the understanding Jesus talks about here in Matthew's Gospel, that Jesus is sowing truth and life. Matthew talks about this word or uses this word understanding more than any other gospel. It's important to him. It's important to Jesus here. And Pastor Bill noted that the root of that word for understanding that's used here is the same as the root of the word used for forgiveness. Now notice that the sower didn't sow the, seed, sow the weeds. The soil supported those to come up. Notice that the sower didn't sow rocks. They are lurking kind of underneath the soil and making it shallow. Notice that the sower doesn't trample the soil on the path. The weight of the world, injustice, greed, selfishness, and abuse pack that soil. Neither does the sower call the birds out to devour the seeds that he's cast. That's just the work of evil. You see, the sower is not the only one at work, but the work of, a, of the sower is abundant forgiveness. The invitation to receive and to understand and to be transformed. This is forgiveness that tells the truth, leads to life, and even gives, gives us language to understand and interpret pretty much everything else in our lives. I've noticed that the Word of God in Christ Jesus helps me to see the world sometimes differently, uh, from the most kind of mundane things to the critical issues of our day. I notice it in something simple like when a commercial seeks to appeal to my emotions or, or my identity even, calling me to define myself in light of whatever the product might be. And I can see the small g God at work seeking my allegiance or, or seeking either to create fear in my life or to, or to comfort the fears that maybe it's created. But God's word shows up for much more important things as well. I was talking with the youth this past week about how the word of God helps me sift through the issues of our day, whatever they might be, of race and oppression and, and freedom and justice. In the word of God, I'm given language for these things. And I have some grounding on which to receive God speaking still today. <clears throat> just, just kind of as an example, as we talk about flags and statues and monuments and their history, God's word gives enormous insight and even some clarity. This does not mean I stand on some enlightened throne telling people this or that is the right answer. No, in fact, in many of these issues, I find myself to be more of a listener to those around me. Plus, I'm not the sower, and I, I didn't make the soil. But in humility, knowing that I am forgiven without limit, I am more empowered to share the fruit which God has planted and nurtured in me than I am to just sit there on the sidelines, maybe in fear of saying something wrong or being wrong. And seeing the field around me as well, seeing all of the other fruit being born and being able to see God's grace and truth in it, in others, humbly receiving God's word through those others. Indeed, a deeper promise in this parable may be that on the path, some seeds are lost, and in the weeds and in the rocks, some plants perish. But in the good soil, there is a production that is so ridiculously abundant, it actually seems kind of impossible. Just as kind of a reference point, tenfold would be an enormous abundance of a harvest.
at 30 and 60 and 100 fold. <laughs> Not even my worm or rabbit compost could do that trick, even under the best of circumstances. So this harvest from God's word that is received in the soil of our lives is more than we could plan. It's way more than we could imagine even. Now I've heard multiple times from people this week that they kind of see themselves in the story as pretty much all the different kinds of soil, sometimes at the same time or at one time or another. Sometimes the seed for them doesn't get in. Sometimes they get revved up on a Sunday, but they kind of fizzle out by Monday. And lots of times get lured away by, by our own selfish cares or, or, and the life and the truth of God's word are choked out. And sometimes the word sticks, it grows, it, it produces fruit, it germinates, it actually produces something. And maybe that's a piece of this as well. It certainly rings true for me that I find myself self-identifying with these different kinds of soil. And so that got me wondering about the soil because clearly in this parable, the soil is us. The one that seems to come up the most in having conversations with people is the soil with the weeds and being choked out by the stuff around us, all of those temptations, the constant advertising, the desire to have more and more and more, even though it's never enough. I get how that resonates. It certainly does for me. But as I think about the path, that's the one that kind of bothers me. The path seems to be fine, except for the fact that it is trampled upon, it is beaten down, it is hardened by life. And that reminded me of a discussion I had with someone years ago, where they talked in vivid detail, um, kind of about some of the trauma that they had had, but, but the detail was really about this fortress that they had themselves locked into. And it was so vivid in their imagination that they could describe how the plants outside this fortress were, were unfriendly and thorny, the, how the, the front door had no way to access it from the outside. And, and even if somebody were to somehow break in, there were, there were uh, booby traps along the way that would, that would keep them from getting to this person who was, who was kind of locked in the middle of this fortress. They had descriptions for the walls and what they were made, out, made of to make this fortress totally impenetrable. Now that story actually has a happy ending that I can only explain by the fact that God continued to sow seed in that impenetrable, impenetrable place until it finally took root and got in. And certainly we can see in that path, that hardened down path, all kinds of oppression, both individually and systemically. But maybe the deepest promise of all in this parable addresses that very thing and the other types of soil as well, because the sower is obviously not very careful, but rather reckless and, and careless and most of all relentless with the seed of the word that the abundance of God's love and the abundance of God's justice and the abundance of God's forgiveness and mercy and truth will flood the paths and the thorns and the shallow ground so that every word that does not penetrate in or survive might become fertilizer for the next seed and the next seed after that and the hundred and hundred thousand and million and billions to follow until the bellies of the birds of the evil one explode and they are silenced until the weeds are overcome with fruit-bearing plants, until the rocky soil reaches a depth where it can finally sustain life for the long haul and the complexities of life. That is the day that Isaiah sees 
and we look for with longing and with hope. And until that day, we continue to receive and produce and scatter the good and gracious seed, the word of God in Jesus Christ. Amen.